So I want to ask, how many Spanish people are here today? One, two. No, no, Spain. There's a reason for this. One, two, three. How many Germans? I just want to, today we're going to look at David and Goliath. Spain's playing Germany today, James. He's a posh guy. He likes rugby. He doesn't do this soccer, football stuff. Anyway, we're all praying for Spain, right? We're in the land. So, no, as we were singing, what a powerful name, what a beautiful name it is. Uh, I, I couldn't help but to think, you guys have heard of the movie, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, uh, Prince Caspian. And, and, um, and so they were, they were originally uh, books written by C.S. Lewis. And, um, and he, he's a Christian man, as well as Tolkien from The Lord of the Rings. So they're, they're, they're stories that represent the gospel, but in, um, um, in mythology, just to draw children to know these stories and um and and when it talked about the powerful name i just thought of the first time that aslan uh, comes into the picture in the chronicles of narnia uh the beaver says aslan is on the move and then it says this now a very curious thing happened none of the children knew who aslan was any more than you do. But the moment the beaver had spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Perhaps it had something happened to you in a dream that someone says something of which you don't understand, but in the dream, it feels as if it was some enormous meaning, either a terrifying one, which turns the whole dream into a nightmare, or else a lovely meaning, too. Too lovely to put into words, which makes the dream so beautiful that you remember it all your life and are always wishing you could get into the, that dream again. It was like that now. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in its inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her. And Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize that it is the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, unashamedly, I mean, I mean he, he did it for this purpose. He wrote that in connection. In, in the last book, you remember, he says... Um, where, where are you going, Aslan? He says, well, you're going back to your world, and in your world, I am known by a different name. And that name that stirs something within us is the name of Jesus. And as we were singing, what a powerful name it is. You know, I just thought, my, I, I just thought of this story. So I found, I spent half the worship just looking for it. You know, where's, where's this thing? So, but, but, you know, that's our desire. You know, with, with Michael, we've been, um, oh, uh, the last year and a half or so, we've been kind of uh, trying to restructure after COVID. It was quite a tough time. And, and, um, 
and and we 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 had one vision of what we wanted to do, which was to lay people on the balanced foundation of the gospel. You know, people can be so extreme. You know, some people are all about love. Some people are all about justice. Some people are all about all these things. But what's the balance of the gospel? And then, um, and then, what we what our desire is, and 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 pursuing to set people on the balanced foundation of the gospel of Jesus is to the the goal is to introduce people to Jesus, to grow people in Jesus, and to equip people to serve Jesus. You know, and 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 that's the beauty of being able to come together as a church and to be able to grow together as believers. And it's a it's a great um, privilege to be involved in that. So today I have a day off. I'm not teaching today, which I'm. I'm, um, I, I really, uh, you know, Chris and his family, they, they've become part of the church in the last few months, and he's been pastoring for the last uh, 20 years, uh, planting churches throughout Germany, and, and he, he's, uh, um, he's traveling all over the world uh, speaking as well, and, and so I, last week, I said, are you here next Sunday? And he says, yeah, and I said, would you teach? And so he's going to share the word with us today, so welcome, Chris. Of course, we're praying for Spain today. <laughs> they need all the help that they can find in order to win today in this game. As a family, we've been coming to this church and we've been very excited to join you as a community and to be sitting here under Raphael's teaching here. I almost feel sorry when I'm speaking because I really enjoy so much whenever he opens up the scriptures and teaches us um, from, from the Bible. I remember years ago, I was sitting in a, in a, in a service. I was um, a teenager, uh, perhaps 18 years old. And there was a preacher from Northern Ireland who came to that church where I normally would not be on a Sunday. I just happened to be there. His name was Philip McAllister, and as I was opening up my Bible here, I actually found that I wrote his name over a verse that he spoke on that particular Sunday many, many years ago. A verse from Psalm 119, verse 9, there's a question in the Bible, we find many questions. Some of them are answered directly, and some are just kind of open, openly lingering in the scriptures. But there's a question in Psalm 119, verse 9, that, that this preacher back then talked about. And as I was listening to him sitting in the, in the service, I just felt like he's immediately directly talking to me. Because there's this question in the psalm where it says, how can a young man... Keep his way pure. How can a young man, and he explained that, is how can a young man live a life that is successful? But not just successful in, in, in the ways of this world, in, in terms of money and career and the outward things, but, but how can you, as a young man, live in such a way that that you become whole and complete 
and that you are successful also in God's ways, not just your own ways. I remember hearing that question and I felt immediately like this is my question. As a teenager, I started my journey through a youth group to also be around church in worship services. But I had this inner wrestling at what does it, what does it mean for me in my life? How can I lead a life that is, that is good and that is pleasing to God and that is actually successful in his perspective, not just in my own perspective? So I, apparently this is an old question that mankind seems to be asking. And perhaps you are here this morning and you're also trying to find some orientation for your own personal journey. We're all on a journey throughout our lives, special seasons. When the winter season, even though we live here in Mallorca, doesn't look as much as winter as it does in Germany, where, we normally, where we've been living as a family for many years. But still, there are different seasons in life, and, and sometimes there are just moments where we're just looking for orientation. We're just looking for some fresh guidance and some fresh speaking. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can he be successful? The answer is in the next verse where it says, by living according to your word. I remember so clearly how this preacher from Northern Ireland talked about how the word of God actually wants to help us on our journey, wants, wants to guide us, wants to be a light on our path. If we're struggling in the dark to find the right path, actually the word of God, and that's what Psalm 119 talks all about, is, is the light onto our path so that we can actually see where we need to go. So my prayer for this service today is that we all find in this time of Advent, and today is the first of Advent, the time of Christmas where we put out all these lights in the streets and we enjoy that so much since we live here in Palma to see all these nice, beautiful lights. That we also receive the light that God wants to give us through his word. So I'd love to say a prayer and then have a look together with you into the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day here. We thank you that we can come together as a church family to pause for a moment and listen to your word. There's so much noise in this world. There's, there are so many voices throughout the week that are speaking into our lives. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, some of them are strong, some of them are weak. But I know that my heart is very much seeking for your word this morning that you speak to my heart and to my soul and that you give me a little bit more clear clarity in my journey, on my journey. So Holy Spirit, we, we ask you that you will teach us and that you will guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like us to turn to Colossians chapter 1 which is in the New Testament, one of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. Colossians chapter 1. I would love to, to read beginning with verse 24. 
Colossians chapter 1 verse 24, and you are allowed to use your cell phones if you don't have your Bible with you to look for this passage, but I will be reading out, out loud. Verse 24, the Apostle Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In this passage, the Apostle Paul talks about suffering. And he talks about suffering not as something that is happening to other people or that's something that he sees in the world, but he talks about his own personal suffering as a follower of Jesus. And we know that when, when the Apostle Paul talks about suffering upon his own body, the afflictions that he had to take upon himself, <clears throat> it wasn't pure theory. It was things that he had and that he was experiencing as part of his daily life and his ministry. There are other passages in the New Testament where we hear that the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, had to go through many sufferings, physical sufferings, in order to continue with his ministry. There are stories where it is talked about that he's been beaten up with sticks on his back, that he was bleeding. There are accounts where he's been dragged out of the city, where they're trying to kill him outside the city, and in the last moment he can flee. There are stories where people actually pick up rocks after he's been speaking or while he's speaking, and they start throwing rocks at him. Because for him back then to be a messenger of Jesus Christ actually meant suffering. And sometimes we as Christians forget that the environment that the New Testament was written on was an environment of persecution. There's a reason that Jesus got crucified. Because he was speaking, though about love, but still against the violence of the world. And there was an empire, the Roman Empire, who was not at all happy about people proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior instead of Caesar in Rome as Lord and Savior. So it was a dangerous thing to proclaim the gospel. People were being killed because they were speaking the truth and were proclaiming and preaching the good news of the kingdom of heaven. So here in this text, Paul says, I'm willing to do that. It is okay for me to be suffering even with my own body because I've got a deeper purpose that I have found. And in this passage, he, he actually gives us in a, in a very short summary 
kind of the core essence of his message that he's trying to deliver to the church. He talks about this core message as a mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages. Almost like a treasure that has been buried in the field and, and people could never ever see it. He says, this treasure, this mystery has been lifted and has been given to me. And I am taking up all this suffering in order to present to you this message that has been entrusted to us. And here it is. The secret that has been hidden throughout the ages, hidden like a treasure, the great mystery revealed to the church is this. Colossians 1 verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of this world. Christ in you, the hope of this world. In the next few moments, I would love to kind of explain to you how this passage became a completely different reality to me personally in my journey. So instead of kind of exegetically kind of doing an exposition of this passage, I will just tell you how at one point in my life, I kind of understood the meaning of what that actually means, Christ in you, the hope of this world, what that actually means for me and for perhaps all of us uh, <clears throat> after, after this message. It was in 2008 that I was part of a church planting team that went to the city of Mainz in Germany. My brother had studied theology uh, in Switzerland and wanted uh, to start with a new ministry, a new church plant in the city of Mainz. And he recruited all kinds of people from Germany and even from other places around the world to come and join him for one week uh, in the city of Mainz in order to do church planting. And so the way we had structured and the, the way he had structured that week and I was part of it was they had a motto of grow, bless, reach. So in the morning we would gather in the youth hostel. We were about 100 people from all over. We would gather at the youth hostel and we'd have a, a time of reading the scriptures. There were some teachers who were giving us expositions of the scriptures. We were praying together for the, for the day. We were growing internally. And then after our morning time, after growing together, we said, now let's go into the city and let's bless the city. The vision for the church plant was to see how the kingdom of heaven breaks into our lives, into the city, and into this world. So we actually wanted to go and bless the city and make known that a new kingdom is arriving and has arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. So we want to see uh, good things happening in the city because the good news should always affect what's happening in the city. So throughout the day, we would go, for example, into the elderly homes and visit the sick or the elderly. We would go into hospitals and actually ask if we could pray for people in the hospital beds. We'd go into the elderly homes where we knew people were lonely because we said in heaven no one's lonely, so on earth no one should be lonely. 
We went and picked up trash. We had some teams who were just picking up trash in the city because, because we said in heaven there's no trash, so on earth there should be no trash. So let's pick up some trash. Some of us even climbed into some ponds and kind of uh, took out the trash that they had kind of littered into the ponds in order to make it clean and fresh. There were some musicians, a part of our group, and they picked up the guitars and went downtown mines and just played some music songs and just some worship songs and songs. And in heaven we've got nice music, so we should have some nice music here also in the streets of the city of mines. So we were all busy throughout the day, and then in the evening our motto was to reach people. So we had put up a big tent downtown mines, and we would always invite people throughout the day to come join us for a meeting in the evening at the tent downtown. And we'd always provide food, and then there would be a, a service. that We'd have some music, and then there would be some, some preaching, and we'd, people would hear the gospel proclaimed in a way where they could understand and relate to it. So it was during one of these mornings where we were together at the youth hostel and we had different speakers and, uh, and, and some of them came from the United States. And, and this particular morning, there was a pastor by the name of Kerry Willis from Harrisburg, Virginia. And he was supposed to teach, but since there were many Germans, I was the translator. So I'm standing in the youth hostel, and he picks up his Bible and starts reading this passage that I just read to you from Colossians uh, 1, 24 through 27. And he starts teaching on this mystery that has been given to us, the church, which is Christ in you, the hope of this world. And then he starts explaining, he said, in the Old Testament, God lived in a temple, and people had to go on pilgrimages to go and visit the temple if they wanted to be with God. But then in the New Testament, there is a new temple. And this new temple is called the body of Christ, which is the body of believers. And he starts teaching about Pentecost, how on the day of Pentecost, God decides to send his spirit into human beings. He said, Pentecost is real. God has decided to make his dwelling in our lives and in our bodies. Just in the way that Jesus came that we celebrate in Christmas, he came and showed up bodily and he was inhabited by the spirit of God. At the end of the gospel stories, after the resurrection and after the ascension of Jesus, he sends down the spirit to live in the body of believers. We can read about that in Acts chapter 2. Now, in order to explain that more, more vividly, he was speaking to us as a group and said, you, Christ in you, Christ living with his spirit in you, that is the hope of this world. And in order to explain that, he said, that means whenever you go into a restaurant, God goes into a restaurant. Whenever you go into a pub, God goes into a pub. Whenever you go into a school building, 
God goes into his school building because God lives inside of you, your human body, his spirit in you. And that actually is the hope of this world. So he challenged us and said, now, we are human beings, not human doings. So he said, don't do so much stuff. Just be in Christ. Let Christ be in you. That's all you need to do. Because that's what we're called to as the body of Christ, to inhabit the Spirit of God in our own lives. Now, I was, uh, I was translating him in, in, to the best of my, best of my capacity. Um, and uh, I was trying to get this message across. But uh, my, my German uh, kind of analytical mind was saying, that sounds overly uh, preacher talk-like. This sounds a little bit like an American preacher who tells us that we shouldn't do so much. We should be more, be in Christ, instead of do something. And I, I kind of went, I came here to the city of Mainz and actually, actually to do something. And the name of the ministry is called Church in Action, not Church in Contemplation. I said, we came here to actually do something. We want to pick up trash. We want to show the city that God is for them. So, so yes, this sounds nice, but it's not really practical. And, uh, and I don't really know what to do. And I kind of like my to-do list, and I want to tick things off my to-do list. So I translated him, but internally I was kind of shaking my head, and I'm like, okay, this is American preacher talk, and I've heard that before. So after we're done in the morning uh, with our sessions, it was our job to go and do stuff, as I told you. Now, I uh, kind of was not assigned to one specific group that day, so I felt like, you know what? I'm just going to be... Let everyone else be disobedient and do stuff for God. I'm just going to be. And, uh, and so it was a beautiful summer day, 2008, July. Uh, in, in, it was a, a warm weather. So I just went in my shorts and T-shirt and my sneakers. I just went downtown and found myself a nice coffee shop. And I, 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 it, it had some outside chairs, and, and I sat down in one of these chairs, and I ordered, ordered my double shot of espresso, which I need to kind of really feel good about myself and life. And, and I sat there, and I was just enjoying uh, kind of the moment, and said, I'm going to be here and, uh, and drink my coffee. About 10 minutes into me being... I kind of noticed that there's a man sitting two tables away in a suit and a tie. He had just come in and he ordered himself a cappuccino. And so I'm sitting here and he's sitting two tables over and he's drinking his cappuccino, I'm drinking my double shot of espresso. And after kind of another 10 minutes, he leans over looks at me and says, so what do you do? <laughs> but I had to smile and said, I'm just being, I'm not doing anything here. 
So, so this guy picks up a conversation with me and, and we start some coffee shop chit chat across the two tables. And he starts telling me you know, what, 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 he's, what he's doing, what he's busy with. So uh, his story was that he was part of an of a, a insurance uh, broker, broker company uh, there in Germany. And, uh, and I tell him a little bit, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing, that I'm a very disobedient kind of guy, and I'm just uh, drinking coffee here while everyone else is working. So we start this conversation, and after a few minutes, he just gets up, takes his cappuccino, and sits right next to me at my, at my table. Now, for the next one and a half hours, I get to talk to not Gazites. Well, I find out he's 42 years of age, he's in the insurance business, and he tremendously feels under pressure. He's got some goals that he needs to achieve that his company kind of lays it out every, every year, and he's half year in, and he's by far not where he should be, and so he's internally extremely stressed. And at one point in the conversation, he just kind of tells me like he's, he's running a race, like, like one of these rats just continue running and running and running and always trying to produce. And, 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 you know, he needs to find new clients and he needs to recruit more people to his team. And, uh, and I get to share a little bit just about the principle of the Sabbath. Just how God also created us for six days of work, but one day a week we need to, we need to rest. And, and I said, Jesus came to actually give us some peace. And we had, a, we, had a, we had a wonderful conversation. And after one and a half hours, he looks at me and said, you know what? When I started talking to you, I actually wanted to recruit you for my team. <laughs> but now it looks like you've actually recruited me for your team. <laughs> so after one and a half hours of, of this conversation, we kind of, uh, we, we say goodbye, uh, shake hands. I invite him to come to the evening service, uh, to the tent. And as I'm getting up and I want to leave, I kind of see this elderly woman. And she was sitting one table, just right about where you, you're sitting there. She, she, was sitting, uh, she was sitting there and I could already, while I was in the conversation, with Notka, I could al already kind of out of the corner of my eye see that she had these elephant ears. <laughs> you guys know what elephant ears are? So, so I get up, I say, I say goodbye to, to, to Notka, and I look at her, and she looks at me with these big eyes, and, and I just say, so, what can I do for you? <laughs> And then I will never forget her, her first words. She said, my name is Frau Dörfer. Mein Mann ist vor fünf Jahren gestorben. My name is Frau Dörfer. My husband passed away five years ago. Now, I have had many people introduce themselves to me, but hardly ever has someone in their first sentence kind of laid out what their issue is. So I said, Frau, Frau Dörfer, let me just use the restroom. I'll be right back. So I, I go to the restroom. I come back. By the time I get back to my seat, Frau Dörfer has changed 
her location and is sitting right next to me at my table. And for another hour, I talked to Frau Dörfer. Her husband died five years ago. Her dog died three years ago. And her problem is not like Notka, that she's so extremely busy, always running, always under stress. Her problem is the opposite. Every day she comes downtown Mines, and she just walks the city. And she does not know what to do. She doesn't feel like she's got a home anymore since her husband died. She's just going from one coffee shop to another restaurant to another park. And there's no kind of purpose or deeper sense. And I get to share with her how I believe that Jesus Christ did not just come to offer us peace for our souls, but that he actually wants to also give us a purpose for our lives. So after another hour, say goodbye to Frau Dörfer, invite her for the evening service. And so after two and a half hours, I, I get up finally from my seat in the coffee shop. And I don't know if you can imagine how I felt after these two and a half hours. I felt like God had taught me a lesson. Christ living inside of you is the hope of the world. Chris, you don't need to do so much in order to be a blessing. You are a blessing. Not because you're so great, not because you've got so many gifts, not because you're so smart and educated, but because the Spirit of God the Spirit of Christ lives inside of you. So literally, where, wherever you go, God goes. Wherever you show up, God shows up. Because there's this thing about Pentecost, where God decided not to live in brick and mortar, but in, in the bodies of human beings. And he does his ministry in and through me and in and me and in and you in and through you. Christ living in you is the hope of glory. That's why Paul is willing to take up all this terrible difficult circumstances in his life to communicate to the church. This, this letter is written to, to the church. And, he's, and, 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 and what we know of these early churches, these were not mega churches. There were no superstars in the early, early no, no super preachers in the early churches. These were not very rich congregations. Probably these were 20 to 30 people. And Paul, Paul speaks to the church and says, do you actually know that you are the hope of this world? Not because you guys are so special. I know you guys. 
I know your shortcomings, I know your mistakes, I know the stuff you've done, I know the stuff you should have done, I know all that. But you are so special because the living God decided to, to live in you. And that's actually the hope for this whole place here. Can you see how that, that, that changed just how I function as a Christian? It actually makes a difference whether Christ lives in our lives or he doesn't. So let me just give you just a, just a couple, couple of uh, practices. Let's call it that. I don't, I don't want to give you guys a to-do list because we're just listening. That it, you know, it's not about doing stuff, but it's, it's about learning how to be infilled by the Spirit. So let me just give you some, some practical things. Number one, make yourself aware of the presence of God in your life. Sometimes Christians, when they, when they come together, even on a Sunday like this and Sometimes we sing uh, about that in our songs. We, we sing prayers uh, and, and, and worship songs where we say, God, please come to this place and fill this place. Show up, God. Well, actually, this is wrong theology. Because God already is present. The question is whether we show up and are attuned of his presence in our lives. In Psalm 139, one of my favorite songs, Psalm 139, with verse 1, the psalmist talks about the presence of God all around us. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. This is the realization of someone who understands that the presence of God has actually melted his dwelling, not just somewhere out there, but actually somewhere in here as well. And there's no way where you can run away. No, there's, there's no place where you can run away, where you're, you're away from the presence of God because he's made a decision. He's taken a step in order to be present here in this world and in your life. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? You can't is the answer because he's made his dwelling in you. And even in your darkest hours, in the middle of the night or 
when you've got enemies around you, is what the psalmist talks about, it does not change anything about the presence of God in you. He's there. You may kind of emotionally feel lonely, but let me utter truth into your lives. You are not lonely because God has made a dwelling in you. One, one of the practices that I've heard many years ago, a, uh, a teacher kind of commented about in a podcast that I was listening to, he, he said that, that the, the, one of the practical ways on how to make yourself aware of the presence of God is in the morning that one of the first things that you do, and it may be with a nice espresso in your hand or while you're still in bed, but is to take some deep breaths in and out and kind of just very consciously breathe. Breathing we normally take for granted. You know, we breathe in, we breathe out. Throughout the day, we, pay, we don't pay much attention to that. But if we actually take a few moments, and he actually remember, he said 20 breaths, 20 deep breaths in the morning, where we really inhale and we exhale, and we put our hand on our heart and we just kind of take this moment, we can make ourselves aware that the presence of God is actually here in us. And I've made this a custom in, in, in my life as, as part of my morning routine that I literally try to just not immediately jump and rush into this busy day with all my long to-do lists, which I still have and which I'm still very passionate about, but that I take a moment to inhale and exhale and make myself aware of the presence of God. Number two, we need to learn how to cultivate an inner life of the Spirit. A couple, couple of weeks ago, I had a conversation with one of my sons here, actually with both of them later, Carlos and Alfonso, are both very much at the moment into physical exercise, which I'm very uh, thankful for. It's, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of conversation that we have in, around our house at the moment is about you know, what is the right exercise and what are the, is the right training. We were just recently on holiday and they kind of looked at me in the gym and they said, Chris, Papa, you're doing it all wrong. You know, this is not the way to train your body, your muscles. You need to you know, exercise differently. And so we have lots of conversations on how to train our physical body. And we all know how important it is to take care of your body. If you don't, you will pay a price later on. So it's good to do exercise, good to do sports, good to hit the gym or you know, uh, do some, some other sport activities. But we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago where, where I tried to explain, guys, there's not just the physical exercise that are important, but there are some spiritual disciplines that are important for your soul and for your spirit. And the earlier you start to train your spirit and exercise your spiritual life, the better you will do as a human being. I said, you can neglect it. You can only take care of your body. That's, you know, that's fine. I know lots of people who have you know, great physical appearances, but their spirit is dead. There, there, there is no soul cultivated. And actually, the Christian and the Jewish tradition is so richly full of spiritual disciplines that we can just live out, that we can practice in order to train 
our inner life and the life of the Spirit within us. There's a book that I would recommend to you, and uh, that's my one book recommendation today, Give Yourself a Nice Christmas Present, which is a book by, by an author called Richard Foster, The Celebration of Discipline. The Celebration of Discipline. And basically, he just takes the ancient wisdom out of the Jewish Christian tradition. What are the disciplines that we can go through in order to develop and cultivate our spirit, Christ living inside of us? He names eight of them. So let me just go through them quickly. Scripture reading, memorizing, and reflecting upon God's word is number one. Number two, prayer. Developing a life of prayer, praying. Number three, fasting. And fasting is not just kind of not watching TV or something. It's fasting. Uh, worship, service, solitude, discernment, and evangelism. Um, there are things we can do in order to nurture our soul. I I'll just tell you my, the, 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 the most important one to me personally to cultivate my soul is number one, is, is my daily <clears throat> devotions, my daily reading of scriptures. I, I, I just showed my, my boys, because we're having this discussion, I showed them there's an app that I've got here on my iPad. It's uh, by Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. You guys know that devotion? It, it, you can find it on any app store. It doesn't, it, doesn't cost, it doesn't cost anything. And basically, it just has a very short... Uh, it just has a very short... Well, it's not, even, it's not even a page. I mean, I've got big letters here, but it's just, just a few sentences on a reflection by a man uh, who was just an, a phenomenal Bible teacher in the last century, Oswald Chambers. I've been reading that for the last, I don't know, 30 years, and I've tried many others, but this is, I always find that he's kind of the most profound. And afterwards, there, there are two recommended Bible, Bible readings. There's a passage out of the Old Testament and a passage out of the New Testament. And you actually can read through the scriptures uh, like, like that, but you don't, you don't have to because it's you know, sometimes a lot to consume. But, but there is something about taking a moment every day to just kind of do a devotion where you open the scriptures and where you let God speak to you. As I said in my beginning prayers, there are so many voices we all listen to throughout the week. There are so many people who are trying to influence you know, all social media, politics, news, TV, radio, your boss, your neighbor, your wife. They all try to influence you. But we all need some time where we allow God to influence us. And where we allow God to speak into our lives. And where we, tr we allow him to speak and minister to our, through our spirit. Number two... The, of the, you know, is, is prayer. Over the many years, I've, I've, I've been talking with people about their prayer life, and almost whenever you, you talk about prayer, people feel guilty because they're not praying enough. They know they should be praying, and they always feel like they're not praying enough, and they, you know, no one's ever at the Bible, at the, at the prayer meetings. You know, the, 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 the smallest meetings in every church that I've attended in my life has always been the prayer meetings. Like, you know, we come together for the barbecue, we come together for the parties, we come together for all kinds of stuff. But when it comes to prayers, like, you know, two old ladies and, you know, the guy who really needs it. I mean, it's just, it's just always kind of a, a strange. Well, so, so let's just for one minute talk about your prayer life. And, and let me give you the, 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 the best advice that I've come up for my own personal life, my own personal prayer life, which is this. 
praying out loud by yourself. Okay? Here's what happens. Because prayer is this dialogue with God, we sometimes start kind of getting lost in our own thinking. And I've had this happen to me a million times. I start praying, and then I'm all of a sudden back to my to-do list, or I'm back to my next appointment, or, you know, and, and I'm off my prayer. And so one of the best disciplines that I've found is to not just pray silently, which is great, you can pray silently, but actually to develop a, a, a way where you just say your own prayers out loud. You can do that while driving in a car by yourself. People think you're on a cell phone, on a conversation, so it may, doesn't look as uh, funny as, as you may think. You can do it when you're alone at home. You can close your door and pray. You can do it while riding a bike, wherever. You can, but you can develop a, a, a form of just praying, uh, praying uh, out loud. This will just revolutionize your prayer life. Let me just, let me just be open. That, that really revolutionize your prayer. And number, number three, for just you know, life of the spirit, is journaling. Uh, I carry around this this uh, this 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 uh, old school. Uh, you know, it's not my iPad. It's just an old school notebook. But that's where I really just write down my prayers, write down Bible verses that come across. I also take notes in here. There's my to-do list as well in here. All kinds of. But but I've made it a discipline to just putting down in, on paper what I feel like God is speaking to me. Oswald Chambers says, we can all see God in exceptional things, but it requires the culture of spiritual disciplines to see God in every detail of our lives. Okay? He's saying it's very easy to see God in a miracle. You know, we see that in the gospel stories. Everyone was amazed about the miracles that Jesus was doing. They all saw, oh, this is, this is something spectacular. This is amazing. You know, and it didn't take much of spiritual depth to see a miracle. But Oswald Chambers says, what it, what, what, only a, a disciplined spirit will actually start acknowledging God in all areas of life, our daily lives, if we've trained our, and disciplined our hearts. Um, number three, and then I'll, and I'll finish. How, how do you live out this Christ in you? Be part, be an active part of a church community. If you actually study this passage here out of 1 Corinthians 27 more closely, where Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, he doesn't mean you, as an individual, he actually means you in plural. And in the English language, that doesn't come out because you is you and you is you. But what, uh, so that's why you need a Bible teacher to tell you, when it says Christ in you, he doesn't mean in you personally, he actually means in you plural. So he's talking to the church and says, you church, Christ living in you as the community of the body of Christ you are the hope of this world. Okay, let me, let me break down what that means. That means, and this may come as a shock to you, that there, the hope of this world it cannot be found in politics, in a political party, cannot be found in a company or in economics the hope of this world cannot be found in an NGO, even though they may do very great things. 
But the hope of this world is the body of Christ, the people of God inhabited by the Spirit of God. Let me break it down one further. That actually means that when we come together here on the island of Mallorca on Sunday, and we kind of look at each other and we're kind of like, hmm, you know, this is a strange kind of group here. It actually means that we together are the hope for this island. Now, I know on the island there are some other groups who are by far more resourced than we are. I know some other groups who are gathering on this island who have by far more followers on YouTube or on Instagram. There are some groups that have more political influence than we do when we gather. But I want to remind us today of the power of the meek and the vulnerable. The story of Christmas is that God decided to bring salvation to the world by coming as a baby in a manger. And everyone goes, is that the salvation of the world? A, ba a naked baby who can't do anything. And God says, that's my plan. That's the hope of the world right there in the manger. That's what we celebrate in a few weeks. God's salvation plan, Christ Jesus in a manger. Okay, now let me transfer that. Theologically speaking, there was Jesus inhabited by the Spirit. He was good news to his people. Then he died, he rose again, and he left. Physically, there was ascension and he left. But then he sent down his Spirit into people. And gave them the command, now you do, and you are who I was and what I did. You are now the salvation plan. Because the Spirit of God lives in you, lives in us. So guys, that's why this meeting that we have here on Sunday mornings is extremely important. I've said that last time I spoke here. There's nothing better to do on a Sunday morning than to actually be here together. Encourage each other. Be under the word of God. Pray together. Sing together. Encourage each other for the journey. Because we, together, are the hope of this world. Christ living in us. So let me close. If you're here this morning and you have absolutely no clue what I'm talking about, because you have never opened your body, your life up to the Spirit of God, I would ask you to please, after the service, come, come to me or come to Pastor Raph and have a conversation about that. The New Testament is very clear that there are people who are in Christ and there are people who are not in Christ. 
And the good news is that God wants to inhabit all of our lives with his spirit. So if you have never opened up your life for the spirit of God, we would like to lead you in prayer on how to do that. And number two, as you go out this week to your family, to your job, to your school, to your neighborhood, to your little village, or to the city, to your office, please know that you are an ambassador of God. You're the good news to your place. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that somehow you see us worthy of being your dwelling place. You've decided to actually make yourself felt in our humanly bodies. So I just pray for us here as a church that, that we live up to this mandate. That we actually do what you tell your disciples to do. You don't put light out there and then you, know, you cover it up, but you actually let it shine. And you've given us your spirit in order for your spirit to do the ministry in this world. And we want to tell you here this morning as a church that this is who we want to be. We want to be Christ-filled people in your world to bless your world. In Jesus' name.